Hey, everybody. Hi. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Everyone watching us or listening to us live on YouTube and wherever you listen to your favorite <laughs> podcast. Daryl and Brian. Are you listening to us? Oh, wow. That was some thunder squeezes. Did you hear that? Nope. I'm in my, my special soundproof, uh, my, my fancy pants uh, insulated. Oh, yeah, I heard it. We're in second summer here in Pennsylvania. So it was like 90 degrees today and uh, big thunderstorm, just like last week we had a thunderstorm. Yeah, it's like every Wednesday now. Yeah. It's you a... can hear us do a thunderstorm commentary. It's like <laughs> it's like sitting out on the front porch and watching a thunderstorm with your friends. Ah, the cool breeze of Anytown, USA here on the Ride Years podcast. I walked out of the building around, what was that, like 2 o'clock? And it was... Just the driest, dry hot with this blowing. It was like being hit with like a hair dryer, like a full blast in the face. And you're mm. like, oh shit, this isn't good. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, second summer here in Pennsylvania. We had our first fall already. Uh, we're on second mm-hmm. summer. We'll get a little more days to fall before winter comes. <laughs> yeah. And this one's going to be like maybe three or four days of fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just be surrounded by, uh, you know, death and twigs and trees, dead trees for, uh, you know, nine months. Yeah, baby. Um, so what's going on? I just came upstairs from watching. I got about uh, Enchantress and I got halfway through the What If for this week featuring Killmonger mm-hmm. and Tony Stark. Uh, have you caught up at all? No, no. I've been watching dumb shit on YouTube instead of watching what I should be. Dragon Ball Z? No, that's not on YouTube. That's on Hulu. No. Uh, I don't know what else is going on. I didn't see any movies because the drive-ins, Shankweather's closed like for the season. Last year they were open like late. Already? Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. Oh, maybe maybe it's I don't know. It just feels like the summer went so fast that it's like no, we should still have like you know a month worth of summer things to do yet. Um, like I noticed like our our local pool was like closed. I'm like, why is it closed? I'm like, oh, it closes on Labor Day. And that was like two weeks ago. Got a ice cold honey. It's funny. I came home last night from the Iron Pigs game, Squeezer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went, opened the fridge, and there's eight Sam Summers. And I was like, <gasps> and what happened was uh, Enchantress's parents had them for me to drink over there, but we're bad people and didn't visit really much. Well, we did, mm-hmm. but I wasn't drinking during the day as much as I should have been. Like, oh, look at you. I know. No, no, you, you, you could have stopped before uh, I should have been. Yeah. Makes you sound responsible. So they put them in, in the fridge, and I have zero self-control. I guess her, her plan was for me to have them for tonight. I drank all eight last night. It's not good. I'm a monster. Yeah. Well, maybe not monster. They have, they have have There is a defined word for it, but you know, we won't just be throwing that out you know, willy-nilly. 
I have what some people like to call a little bit of a drinking problem. It's Tommy Boy. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, do you want to know my thoughts on Dijon mustard? Um, It has Ugh, its place. No, it doesn't. It has its place. Dijon mustard is the worst. Spicy brown, golden spicy brown, or get the fuck out. I mean, it depends what you put. Like, I don't. I I like it as part of a spread. Like, if I'm going, I like it for like a dipping. Yeah, it tastes like know? white wine. Well, yeah. Well, it depends on what kind of ring bologna you're dipping it in. You know. <laughs> but it has its place. I guess. I don't. I don't apply it to any sandwich-based food item. That, that's just weird. But. Hmm. Yeah, Dijon mustard. Um, remember that commercial for Dijon A's? Is, 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 Dijon A's. Yes. And then, of course, the classic one we grew up, uh, Sriracha, well, Brian, is the greatest condiment known to man. But the the commercial we grew up with, pardon me, sir, but do you have any gray poupon? I really thought it's like, wow, that's like, because as a dumb kid, you're like, what? marketing works because you think it's like rich people eat right. this shit. I almost said anything else would be uncivilized, but I believe that was what Hulk Hogan said about right guard deodorant. Um, anything yeah, else would uh, be uncivilized. Yes. I, I, you didn't. You I mean, got me that was kind there. of a rhetorical I, I, like. No, but if you would have just told me that, like, that's that the was the tagline, tagline, you would agree. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. Great Poupon, anything less would be uncivilized. Or you could just slather your armpits in uh, Great Poupon. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an option. I don't know. I think that might protect you more than some of those natural deodorants they're selling nowadays. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Natural deodorant. No, I I want zinc and aluminum jamming my pores. That's the... No, I don't. Did I tell you about the time I slathered myself in mustard? It wasn't fancy gray poupon. It was French's yellow. In fact, it might not have even been French's yellow. We're not rich around our school district, so I think it was just generic yellow mustard. I had a barrel of it, and Squeezer mentioned about slathering something in mustard, so I slathered myself in mustard. And I offered to slather his hot dog in mustard, but he just gave me his hot dog, if you know what I mean. Not the hot dog I was looking for. Oh, I'm so bad. Man, you're just... That's, naughty, naughty. Yeah. Like, seriously, Squeezer, did you see a therapist about what this woman tried to do to you? I don't un- I don't understand why there's a problem. I mean, she slathered my hot dog in mustard. Well, the and, mustard uh... was technically bad, and I had to get rid of it. But I figured, why <laughs> waste it? I mean, there's vinegar in it. What really can go wrong with it? You can't... Is it just ladled out of a number 10 can? Yeah, well, I, it had a pump, so it wasn't, oh. you know, I, so I'd pump and I'd slather. I'd pump and I'd slather. You remember. We just, I just had you dip crackers on me for like a week until it dried oh. up and we had to, you know, peel it off with a, a putty knife. But you did a good job with that, too. I'll, I'll give you credit. You're handy with a putty knife, my little squeezer. Just peeling layers of dried yellow mustard off of me. It was sensual in its own way, if you think about it. Man, Squeezer, if you yeah. want me to recommend a good therapist for you to talk through some of this um, stuff. Uh, Joe, Joe's breaking down uh, some plot holes in the lunch lady. <laughs> Why? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I was Squeezer back in the third grade. 
I was told before I was allowed on the show, I can't use your real name. I was told okay. to call you Squeezer. <laughs> I'm not even going to use some of the little nicknames I called for you. Oh, like what? I told you I can't use them. It's a confidentiality thing. People would figure out who my identity was and who your identity was, and then put two and two together, and we could go away, Squeezer. Unless we go away together. Oh, imagine. We get locked in a... A lunch trailer together. I think that's called a non-disclosure agreement. Or we have a food truck that we just travel around. And we don't even serve people. We just eat off of each other all day. So slow and sensually. Oh, I just heard matted leg hair in with the mustard. Yeah, well, you know. All dried and cracked like an elephant rolling in the mud. That's why you used the putty knife to get it off of me when it, you know, there was a wet wear underneath, so it was, there was a process. You just crack the hard part and then peel. <laughs> but I told you, squeeze, squeeze, slower. Do it slow for okay. me. Okay. <laughs> you know how I like it. Especially when you get around to my stockings at my thigh. No, my uh, ankle. <laughs> Ugh. I had to wear the stockings to cover my bunions. No one wanted mustard on a bunion. I'll tell you, on a bun, yes. Bunion, no. That's how we said it. I said, Squeezer, mustard on buns are good. Bunions, no. Of course, I always wanted to give him my buns, but he didn't get it. He just handed me his hot dog bun and said, Please, please put some more mustard on it for me. And two pumps later, he was fine. Two pumps later, I always offered him, I take only one. But that was then, and this is now, and you're married, and I'm alone, as usual, and just waiting for my chance. Oh, I could, a girl can dream, you know. He's gone silent again. You were getting good at this last week, but now, you know, you've gone back <laughs> into your hole. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. Toodaloo, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Bye, Bertha. She's got a different name every week. I don't know this woman. I just I just give her airtime. We have a deal. I and what deal was that? I hope it's not the same deal I have worked out with her. Uh, no, no. My deal is I get to uh, sit and pleasure myself to your misery every week. <laughs> I feed off it. Ah, you see how uncomfortable he is. <laughs> That's good shit, pal. Uh, uh, sorry, the lunch lady came early this week, but but I'm going to. Oh, get I bet to she did. Our, <laughs> with you, she always did. Uh, we had a comment on YouTube. Thanks to Sweet Ish, he said, "Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello, Wilder and Pryor, Newhart and Rickles. These are a few famous comedy duos that pale in comparison to RK and Squeezer." Oh. RK, the rambunctious energy with a plethora of impressions and quips. Squeezer, the straight man to RK's razor wit. Well, it's <laughs> the first time anyone's ever called my wit razor. <laughs> Together, they make for a comedic genius that is the Rad Years podcast. Take a trip into the glory days of your youth in this hilarious and heartfelt podcast. The proverbial charcuterie board of topics will leave you yearning for oh. more. Also come for the free swag. Oh, boy, where do you see what I got cooking? Uh, thanks, Ish. You're sweet. sweet I am boy. impressed. Good use of uh, charcuterie board in there. I like almost the... said uh, charcuterie. Char- <laughs> charcuterie. Uh, that would have been more fitting. 
Yes. You, uh, it helps us if you subscribe to us on YouTube, hit the little bell for notifications when we go live, and comment on our videos, because then we could maybe get in this great algorithm we hear so much about. Also, you could comment on Apple Podcast. Um, let me read to you two comments we got. Uh, one from Drewski8719 on September 8th, 2021. He, he says, with a five-star rating, one of my favorite podcasts. This podcast is a must for anyone that grew up in the 80s and 90s and still long for the nostalgia of those days when life seemed a little simpler. It always amazes me how much RK recalls from his childhood as if it happened yesterday. It's because I never stopped living it. And his voice impressions are always top notch and I get excited to hear them. See, there are people who like me. And Squeezer, as always, is a sweet, sweet boy who at times I can relate to. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I love that when sucks. they mention something I totally forgot about. When they do, I'm hopping on Google to look up more and reminisce. I always look forward to listening to the podcast every week and meaning to catch them live on YouTube. Thank you both for everything, Drew. Drew, you are a sweet and I'm sure handsome, beautiful man. Uh, Zangari on Friday, well, today, uh, last Friday, wrote, Great show with five stars. Let's continue to document Squeezer's erotic love affair with his sexy lunch lady. <laughs> Keep up the great work, gents. And more and more, all I hear is from people, they want more of your lunch lady, Squeezer. All right. Oh, and Zangari, if you need... Jesus, Zangari, if you need that uh, power planer for your door, let me know. I'll get it to you. Zangari. Did they talk to you on the side somewhere? That's yeah, Matt. Oh, yeah! It's a good Goomba name. Oh, oh so he likes Goomba name. The erotic. Love. He loves like I. I didn't see him in two years, and the first words out of your mouth is "I love lunch lady." I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. He did it. <laughs> oh man. Um. <laughs> ah. <clears throat> so here we are, Squeezer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, this is just for Matt. I have a guest I have on standby. Might as well. Oh, no, he hates the other guy. He hates. Hey, hey, Alex. Uh, I, I, I know Zangari doesn't necessarily <laughs> like you, so keep it to a minimum. Listen, everybody, shut, shut your damn liberal pedophile mouth, RK. You too, Squeezer. God damn, you should just fuck that lunch lady. The illegal, perverted bullshit. <laughs> Of the pedophiles in the school system make me sick. Oh my god, I hate hearing it. No, I sound like Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon himself is part of the. <laughs> he's part of the problem. I don't want to talk about it right now. I got a lot on my plate. I got a lot about the rich Hollywood elitists like Howard Stern and Jimmy Kimmel talking about how we're all gonna be mandated and held down and shot with this, 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 this poison that they're selling us. Right now, everybody, I can tell you in five years, everybody who took the vaccine will die. We'll be left alone with a smart, illuminated people who did not take the vaccine, living here in a lush, non-polluted, carbon-offsetted wonderland. We won't have to worry about driving. We can drive the biggest gas guzzlers you ever saw. I'm going to get my old 1985 Ford Bronco running again because it's going to be so wonderful. Squeezer. Listen, you could join us if you took the vaccine. I have a pill that reverses the effects of the poison vaccine. It's got all the... It's, it's matted warfare. Ground up, juvenile vampire teeth. Werewolf, testicle, skin. Everything in this pill 
reverses the poison that is in the vaccine. You get it right now at Infowars.com. Code name RAD at checkout. You get 20% off your order. $39.95 for your first, $49.95 for each week after that. Yes, we'll reverse the effect squeezer. I gotta go. I got a whole show to do. We got a whole lot of George Soros and his enemies of the war against intellectualism coming against us. I got a whole lot of work to do. I wish I wish I could stay longer, Squeezer. Zagari, I wish I could stay longer, but I can't. I gotta go. I gotta split. We'll see you later. CRK, get back to your pedophile lunch lady bullshit. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, wow. Alex. He's getting, he's, it's a different kind of anger now. Yeah, he came in hot and he's been angry lately. Yeah. I've been listening to, to Alex's show because, you know, he's he, he comes on our show, so the least I can do is listen to his. Oh, sure. And sure. and, and uh, I have to listen to his through the Howard Stern show when they play clips because there's no other way to find it. <laughs> Howard's back, of course. I know not everyone's a fan. And sometimes I can't stand when he's whining and bitching about something. But he is still still makes me laugh. He was saying he was complaining how Squeezie, you know how I can't tell military time. Uh, Yeah, it's adorable. Yeah, well, I, uh, Howard started making. He's stealing my fucking material. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. Because I mean, he's. I mean, if I were him, I would too. Yeah, Howard Stern. You're a charcuterie board of the, the guy who invented the genre of what we all are doing. Mm-hmm. But um, he was joking that if his mom would have breastfed him instead of feeding him formula, he he, he said you, they say by breastfeeding you could have an IQ as little as five points to up to fifteen points higher. I was also fed formula. My mom had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And maybe he said, if I was breastfed, I maybe I can do military time. And I'm like, maybe I could do military. Maybe I can say anthropomorphic if I was not fed formula. So maybe uh, maybe we sue my mom as class action <laughs> with the Rad Years. class action lawsuit against your mom for not breastfeeding you. Rad Years fans, yeah, for me being an idiot because of them. Although, you know, me being an idiot also brought us, made me get the lunch lady on this show, so. that it, Yeah, it's, I mean, our idiocracy, I think, is, is yeah. It's, it's a, a double-edged sword. It is. Um, yeah. It is. Two sides of the sword, uh, both of yes. edges. Both very flat and dull. Yes. You it's really got to hack away at something to cut it's, it. It's a, it's a, it's a cutlass. Oh. What, what are those pointy ones that the Three Musketeers had? Uh, I should know this. I feel bad. I, fuck, I failed. And, uh, car antennas. Yes. I mean, that's what we used. I'm, I mean... <laughs> Ungod. It's amazing that there aren't more people our age uh, with eye patches. I All thought... All the dumb shit that we did. I thought the Three Musketeers movie was about candy bars. Ah. I mean, everything I was told up until then made me led me to believe that it was about candy bars. So how is it my fault? I didn't read Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> that was a weird cast in that, wasn't it? That was a 1994 Shawshank Redemption. The Count of Monte Cristo, jailbreak. He says Alexander Dumbass, and he says Dumas. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You were no selling me. You're just sitting there. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, I... You're, you can't nod your head. They don't hear. You. Well, no, I, no, I, I forgot that it was even. I was trying to look up who it was. Like, uh, it was. Uh, let me think. 
Yeah, it was yeah, it was Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, and Chris Dunn and and Oliver Platt. I remember was like, what? My mom liked that movie. I didn't fucking watch that shit. Well, yeah, it was it was like Brat Pack, like Redux kind of. Believe it's redo. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But what's the fun in saying it right? Hot shots part ducks. Part ducks. Uh, Okay. Um, I don't even know, like, nothing, I mean, they released some new iPhones, watches, the same old bullshit, something. Yeah, those, you can get an iPhone now for, like, 600 bucks. You can get an iPhone but for, like, you, 1200 that pulls focus cool. for you. You see that, Squeezer? What's that? It pulls focus for you. I saw that, I was like, oh. I know, I saw that. I, I, I used some obscenities. I'm like, well, I'm useless. Well, Ian's useless. You've been wanting. Uh, 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 That's spe- true. You've been wanting speed rails to have Ian pull focus for you forever. Well, no, I would pull my. I'd find a way to pull my own focus. Why would I have Ian pull my focus? I explained. So it's called focus. We were talking about. Um, uh, Christy and Kim and I were talking about the gear for sports team the other day because we were trying to figure out for budget stuff. Sure. This, this is a story that no one probably cares about, but you. No. But I'll tell it here. Inside the, inside budget talk is fun. Fun, yes. So we were getting new uh, sports scene shooter gear, and they're talking about shooting their own stand ups, and it's out of focus. I go, well, you could use a tape measure for your focus. She's like, well, it's not an exact science. I'm like, no, it is an exact science. <laughs> I'm like, when I was in film school, we had to it measure is. our focus because you could not see what your shot, if your shot was in focus or not, because. Like it was shooting on film. So you had to measure it to be precise. And then you set up marks on the ground and marks on the, the camera. And you, when you, someone moves, you pull the focus to the mark as they move to their mark. And it will be in focus. Or you better hope it will be. <laughs> and if you use the measurement and the pull, she's like, really, that works? I go, yes. If you measure from the spot designated on the lens, it will be this, it will be in focus at that same measurement no matter where you go especially on that lens because it's fixed, those small cameras. Mm-hmm. She was, like, blown away. She had no idea. blown away. When she tried to tell me it wasn't exact science, I was like, no, it, it, it is an exact <laughs> it, science. It is. <laughs> <clears throat> Lenses and focal lengths. It's math. Now you just now, – now, now you don't even tap a button. Someone just turns their head, and it does it for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, well, what if I want – in focus profile, what if I want to delay it? So you, you, you know, tap the screen. You, all I have to no, do is right. well, tap right. tap right. the screen. It push focuses to what you tap. All right. all right. Can I just can I just get Rails and uh, a focus knob for my iPhone? Then you would just get Rails and a focus knob, and when you when you turn the focus knob, it taps the screen to what you want. <laughs> just make it some. Ab- yeah, just take an iPhone and just build it into some absurd rig like everyone else. Yeah, does. I'll, I'll oh yeah, I shot rig. this whole thing on a DSLR. It only cost a thousand bucks for the camera. Yeah, but then you have twenty thousand dollars worth of shit plugged into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, you, you're sending me links to get that twenty thousand dollars worth of shit plugged into your camera. It's not. That, oh, uh, I'm getting there, guys. One of the most fun things every budget year <laughs> is. To get Squeezer's budget turned in and then tear it up in front of him. <laughs> literally, literally tear it up. And then spend that next year telling him no, he can't have anything that he requested <laughs> on his budget. So uh, I, I learned my lesson my first year when I had my real big one. Oh, all these things. 
Yeah, shoot for the stars. Yeah. Can I get it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so the lesson is don't make shit work with what you got. You got a boom pole that year, Squeezer. I don't want to hear it. I did. Well, I because <laughs> it was literally taped together. <laughs> um, I think that thing was older than me. And and I adore uh, what I have now. It's a great piece of uh, equipment. It's, take good care of it. Made a little case for it. It's adorable. Uh, and lastly, before we get to the topic of the night, one of my favorite bands released a cover of one of my favorite 80s songs from one of my favorite 80s movies. Uh, Churches covered Cry Little Sister, the iconic song that plays throughout almost the whole movie of Lost Boys. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Churches covers I mean, so I saw Churches in concert at Firefly when we had that super VIP that was kind of a waste of money I told you about, Squeezer. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you're standing, like, right in front of the and stage. And that's coming from you when you're, like, it's kind of a waste of money. I'm like, wow, that's saying something. Yeah, right. So you're you're standing, like, right in front of the stage. And this was – Churches did an early show, and – like, they're performing, and um, like every, every like there's people in the back standing there, but Lauren Mayberry, the lead singer, is kind of like staring at me, but I think she's just trying to do her normal thing where she goes back and forth on the stage and makes eye contact with people in the front, and she just picks. But I'm literally the only person in this one area, so whenever she comes to stage right. She's like staring right at me, and I, I and you know how awkward I am with eye contact. <laughs> I'm just like looking down. I'm like, I can't enjoy this concert if you keep fucking looking at me. Look the fuck away. Look at somebody else. I'm nothing to look at. So either I had like a booger hanging out of my nose, <laughs> or or something. Well, I took a criminology course in high school. It was taught by our former chief of police, and then he became a social <laughs> studies teacher. And the first thing he taught you was. When you walk into a place, identify the people around you and uh, your, your surroundings. So she was probably just registering you, taking you all in, so when she had to file a report, she can properly ID you. I don't have the strength or the mental capacity to, to perform a kidnapping, Squeezer. <laughs> well, yeah, but she doesn't know that. I mean, she probably figured it out after a while. Yeah, yeah, eventually. She, she probably, after a while, she's like, oh, he probably doesn't like social interaction. Right. So now I'm going to fuck with him and just she's continue probably, to stare at him. She's probably like, is this kid a Make-A-Wish? Where's his handler? We're going to have to talk to this kid backstage afterwards. <laughs> Getting ready for that awkward photo op. Right, he'll be drooling as he stares <laughs> at the floor. Yes, I was drooling at the time, but... <laughs> because I, I was lost in my own thoughts. And when I, I get lost in my thoughts, I start drooling. Also, before we go on, Squeezer, I do want to give a remembrance to the great, probably one of my favorite comic minds and deliveries ever. We lost a real funny guy, Squeezer. I'm still here. Mm, I thought this guy was one of your favorites, too. Oh, he's I, top five easily. I'm the only one that watched this show. What show? Uh, Norm. 
Oh, Norm. Yeah, yeah. I watched Norm. It was yeah. it was god awful. The yeah, the first thing that came to my head when I when, like Mrs. Squeezer sent me that and I was like heartbroken. And the first thing that came to my mind was that scene when he was in Necrophiliacs Anonymous and he freaks out when he realizes it and he storms out and he comes back and he goes, "And if I die in that hallway, do not have sex with me." <laughs> and you know what? To 99.9% of the population, it's a shitty whole setup, shitty joke, it's unfunny, and basically insensitive. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely hysterical, and I still do to this day. But his delivery is uh, great. If I die out there in the hallway, <laughs> see, because if I die, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't want you having sex with me. <laughs> his his mom, and when he was on Conan... There's a few times it was on Conan that were really great. He, there was this actress on there, and he that was doing a move, promoting a move. So, so Norm was first. The first Norm McDonald was the first guest on Conan, and then mm-hmm. he sat in the, in the couch. And Andy Richter's there, and this actress comes out. And she's t- she's promoting a movie with Carrot Top, and and Norm just starts shitting on it. <laughs> and Conan's like, "There's not even a name yet." And she's like. Uh, chairman of the board and Conan's trying to take her side on it and be like yeah try to make fun of that you freaking jerk and he's like yeah chairman of the board is it spelled (laughs) (laughs) B-O-R-E-D and he and then like when he would tell that the moth so there's his moth he comes into the bar the moth joke like so many classic Norm moments uh, and he was great on he and he was my first like weekend update when I start watching SNL. He was the yeah. guy who did weekend update. He was my my yeah he was my first and he was my favorite. Like and I know people well, don't like, like I to say that and, like, Kevin shit on him Kevin Nealon, but but Norm was the first that I was like I probably watched the most of like and and Kevin and I'm sorry Kevin was great but Norm was the best Norm owned that role. A weekend yeah. update. My second favorite after Norm was probably Seth Meyers. Because Seth Meyers was just copying Norm's delivery. <laughs> he even admits to it. Yeah. Uh, and then and then somewhere in there is Colin Quinn. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore Colin Quinn. Yeah, Colin came after he Norm. He was so unpolished in that seat. Like yeah. he looked so uncomfortable sitting up there. Yeah. I don't even know. I like I, I like I like Jost and uh Michael Che too. Weekend update. Oh, so it started with Chevy, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was Chevy Chase, then Jane Curtin, and Charles Rocket. Then it was, oh, was in like those eighties years when no one cared. Yeah, then it was Dennis Miller. Yeah, babe. I'm doing weekend uh, pe- people hated him, didn't he? Because he was always so smug. Yeah. Kevin Nealon. Then Norm went from ninety four to ninety seven. Then Colin Quinn was ninety eight to two thousand. Then they made it two people. It was Jimmy Fallon and Tina Pe- Tina Fey, and they were great. Tina Fey was great. Oh yeah. Then Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were fucking awesome, and then it was t- Amy Poehler and Horatio Sands for one year, and then Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers from '06 to '08, and then it was Seth Meyers from '08 to 2013. Yeah, it's a five year. That's a long run. 
couple, five, six, seven, seven years. Oh, then Seth Myers and Cecily Strong. So it was another year. So it was eight years. <clears throat> then Cecily Strong and Colin Jost and then Colin Jost and Michael Che have been doing it from since 2014. So, Damn, you. most people don't even have a TV show. Most people like have a TV show for eight years, but to have a bit on SNL for eight years... Like that, just a regular, you know, repeating segment. That's a long fucking time doing that same bit every week. Now, granted, it's basically like just, yeah, doing your late night shtick, you know, yeah, for like three minutes a week. But, but I, Kevin Nealon was. I didn't was realize also... Norm did it for three years. 94, 95, 96, 96 to 97. Yeah. I guess so. Al Franken, for Al Franken was lobbying for to replace Nielsen at Neil yeah, ne- Kevin Nealon as host. Um and he left the show because he didn't get it. And Norm McDonald would always be like, I'm Norm McDonald and now the fake news. Yeah, you needed that because I, I Franken would have taken himself too serious with it. Yeah, maybe. Like he, he, I think he would have tried to play like a newsman, when like Norm almost felt like Kevin he always knew- felt like he knew. Hey, I'm here just doing a bit on TV. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess he got fired. I guess over his O.J. Simpson jokes. Oh, he was relentless. Yeah. One example was a down and out OJ Simpson has decided to go back to doing what he does best, killing people. <laughs> and uh, Jim Downey, SNL writer, recalled that we did like three solid years of like 60 shows of OJ jokes in a row. McDonald made his final appearance as Weekend Update anchor in December 97. After NBC executive Don Olemeyer, a longtime friend of Simpson, who had previously told Michaels to not let his friendship affect the show, demanded his dismissal from the segment, despite Michaels' protests that making the change in the middle of the season would be difficult for the show. Olemeyer told McDonald he was fired because he was not funny. Biggest lie in showbiz history there. Yeah. Norm's And Norm brought Artie Lang to the Howard Stern Show. Uh, Norm's always great on Howard. Um, ah, Dirty Work's one of my favorite Dirty bad work. movies yeah, ever. Yeah, it is. Norm Macdonald, you will be missed. And I, yeah. I know Howard asked him last time he was on about his death. And he said, he said this, he was working up in Canada. And his agent called me and he, I called him and he's like, hey, Norm. And he's like, you're alive? He goes, yeah. He goes, your Wikipedia page says you died. He's like, what? <laughs> Whatever does. He's alive. And, and Howard goes, how'd that make you feel? He goes, it made me feel weird because I knew one day those true, those, those words would be true. Oof. I, I, I shared a credit with Norm Macdonald. Oh yeah. On the Mike Tyson mysteries. I directed Larry's part on there. Larry Holmes. Oh, I got a uh, production something credit, and Norm Macdonald was a voice on that that show. Nice, nice for you. Yeah. 
style, yeah. And Norm. Shared basically like colleagues. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> uh, way, way to way to be that. Uh, oh, you got to get on social media and post that. You, and you gotta you gotta tie yourself in. Missing my colleague. That's what everyone else is doing right now. Your colleague. Missing my colleague Norm McDonald. Rest in peace, friend. You will be missed. Yeah. And, this is make hard. It, and. But, you got to make it a little more about you. Anybody who could be there for me would be very appreciative. God, I would hate that. <laughs> what if I was that person? That's what the greatest advantage I feel I have in my life is I recognize my complete insignificance and I will never construe myself. Yeah, so Larry got a call to be on a voice on uh, the Mike Tyson Mysteries. And he said, yeah. And they're like, can you record it in, in Leah Valley? And they're like, yeah, call this guy. And Diane, his wife, gave him my number. And they called and they're like, can you get Larry to do this? So it was like a Zoom thing. We, we put, And it was before Zoom even. It was, uh, I think, Skype or something. So the director and, and, and the director, I'm, he was just being really nice, but he didn't know Larry. He was trying to talk him through it. And Larry was, and afterwards, we hung up. And Larry's like, "Let's redo them all. You tell me how to say them." So I, I do straight line reads for Larry, and he tries best. And Larry, to his credit, has been punching the head a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. But you know how Larry, you know how Larry is with me. Like, he looks to me as like, like my cable box doesn't work. Anything or... like, like my anything, yeah. my phone randomly rings. Larry home cell <laughs> on a random basis, and it's not. It's like, hey. With, Diane wants to know if we you think we should do this. I was like, as, and I'm like, ah, uh, and he's like, hold on. And it's like, hey, Ryan, that's Diane. I'm sorry he called you. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. And Larry's a sweet man, a great guy, so the nice sweetest. to all of us. But he just always, I've been direct, I've directed a show for uh, 12 years, and he just always looked to me. So he just asked if he we could redo the lines because he didn't like how they were. So we redid them and we sent them. And the guy called and he's like, Hey, these aren't what we did. I'm like, I could send you those too. And he goes, No, no, no. We like these better, but we just have to credit you now. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I don't know what uh, they wound up crediting me or if they even did. I never looked. I never, I, I didn't even watch the episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at that. And that's, yeah. Well, that is a thing sometimes. Like, you don't care. I don't get. We did away with credits. Like no one cares. Yeah, I don't care. <clears throat> um. But yeah, that's uh, Norm Macdonald. Uh, he will be missed. Rest in peace. Uh, kind, funny, sir. Let's uh, let's talk about. I'd pour one out on the curb, but I'm running low. So. Yeah, we got these. These beers are. So let's. Oh, I'm even out of beer. I'm down. I'm. I. I've. Literally, this is the last like two fingers of bourbon I have in my house. Literally, I was gonna run out before, but there was a big thunderstorm. And I'm like, oh no, that's bad, and I had to take the trash out. I had to get little schmuffin update on. Did I talk about schmuffin last week? Oh yeah, how how's uh, last time you said that you were still she was doing better, but uh, still waiting. Well, on... uh, so um. Schmuffin. So last week, uh, 
after we talked, she was really bad. I, I like I fell asleep next to her in Enchantress's closet. She was like laid out on the floor. She was not good. The next morning, uh, she took her to her vet. She was like really lethargic. Couldn't even get in her litter. Couldn't even walk without falling over. We got her to the vet. Her one pupil was a different size. We were very worried about her. We rushed her down to... Oh, Sassafras. Sassafras. Sure, I had a stroke saying you didn't even French fired me. Damn. So, yeah, she had a... She had a uh, it wasn't Bell's palsy, but she might have had a little kitten stroke. We don't know yet. So we took her down to these vets. You know, I'm not trying to disparage vets, but, you know... Sometimes I liken them to used car salesmen. <laughs> you know, they'll sell you whatever they can to make money, pad the. Oh pad yeah, the... they're pulling their heart, your heartstrings. Yeah, of course. And so they were like, "All right, we're gonna do an ultrasound." I don't know why she clearly has a neurological issue. <laughs> we're gonna do an ultrasound, another blood work. Even though we did blood work, then we took her to the ER vet Wednesday night, which I told you. Mm-hmm. Again, again, blood work and ultrasound turned up perfect, generally healthy. They're like, she's a generally healthy cat, and we see nothing wrong with her. We don't know what's wrong, but we could keep her overnight to observe her. And I'm like, fuck no. You're not keeping her in a cage and charging us, like, $2,000 for it. Like, we're going to take her home, and, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on her, and she'll be home where she's happier. So we drove her home, and... um. That was Thursday. Friday, she was she still wasn't eating, so uh, Enchantress took her to get like fluids. They, they water like water. They put like subcutis, I believe is the word. I don't want to sound smart and correct you, so I'm just gonna roll with it. Or subcutaneous or subcutis. Sub subcutis. Sub- they, so they they put water beneath the skin and it's absorbed into the body. Subcutaneous? That sounds wrong, but we'll keep going. Oh, no, that's me. That's fat. (laughs) So she... And then uh, Saturday, I woke up to go... No, a subcutaneous injection. Yeah, so subcutaneous, yeah. I said subcutaneous, so subcutaneous. I also said subcutaneous, though, so I'm, I'm going oh, okay. to take a win. So Saturday, I woke up to go to work in the morning, and I just I turned the shower on, and she wa- she ran up to it. And I, I pet her, and she meowed for the first time. And then I went to work, and this was on this past Saturday, and uh, Enchantress said she started eating. She hasn't eaten in, like, four days. So she started eating, and then she's slowly getting better, and she's – got her ups and downs but she's better than she was on that that night that night after the night after the show and that day that next day morning was her worst that she was there's wednesday night to thursday morning and thursday day was her her at her worst we were worried we, we were gonna lose her but we didn't she's still here oh okay so she had a little cat seizure on Friday, but she's better. Maybe it's maybe it's genetic. Maybe yeah, she got it from you, right? From dad, passed it down to her. 
Um, but yeah, sorry to take it down to a sad thing, but yeah, just yeah. an update on Schmuffin. She's doing so. It. So next, so you know, just if you want to save money, if your pet is ill, just turn your shower on, and they'll get better. I don't. That wasn't the don't cor- take them to a doctor. Don't take them to a vet or anything. Just turn on your shower. They'll be fine. Listen, that wasn't the correlation I'm making, and I am very much into doctors and stuff. But I don't know. Thirteen hundred dollars later, I don't know if anything we did made a difference. If she would have, if we would just left her the way she was, she would have had the same outcome. I don't know. She was. She's on an antibiotic. She's on steroids. Could be helping. Probably is helping. I. Well, I don't. I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know jack shit. But. I don't think the multiple blood works in the the ultrasound did jack shit, except to tell us she's healthy. Well, no, no, that yeah, that didn't do anything. It it tells you things, but it didn't cure anything. Well, um, no, it didn't tell us anything we didn't know. Or it didn't tell you anything. Yeah, yeah. And they're it's like, a cat. she's perfectly healthy, but we can keep her here overnight for observation and charge you for it. <laughs> Nah, no, nah, we'll pass. We'll pass on that. But you, you're not gonna keep her in a cage overnight when we could bring her home. Yeah. Um, okay, video games, 1994, Squeezer. Oh, <laughs> who starts? I f- fucking forget. What the hell did we do? Oh, school? I think shit. I was even thinking about this. Last week was movies. You went first. I go first. Yeah, you go first. Here is my first. All right, son, point out the animal that did this to you. The beast is back, now with 100 levels of pain. Donkey Kong, new for Game Boy. So this wasn't Donkey Kong new for Game Boy, which is commonly called as Donkey Kong 94. Wasn't just Donkey Kong for Game Boy. It was the first game, Squeezer, that had that little tag on it that was a Super Game Boy game pack. Hmm. Meaning that when you put it into the Super Game Boy, you would get different borders, colors, and effects that you wouldn't get if you put a normal game pack into the Super Game Boy. Copy. I, 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 well, I never had a, my friend had a Super Nintendo. He had the Super Game Boy. And I thought it was, like, the coolest gimmick out there. I rented Super Game Boy in this game. My dad, I was like, he's like, well, you're renting two games for him. I'm like, it's not. You need this to play. He goes, well, that's pretty stupid. I was like, trust me. <laughs> and it was actually fun. It was, um... Did you tell him yet, well, you charge people to have a cable box so they can watch TV on their TV? <laughs> that's true. Ah. <laughs> uh, so it was loosely based on the 1981 arcade game and also the sequel Donkey Kong Jr. But uh, and the working title was Donkey Kong 94. Um, you're Mario. You got to rescue Pauline from Donkey Kong. Uh, and Donkey Kong Jr. is in there. But uh, it was very different. It begins <clears throat> with the four levels found in the original arcade game. Mario trying to reach the top to save Pauline. But after those are, are done... Um, Donkey Kong, like they do the victory theme and Donkey Kong revives, grabs Pauline, Pauline again and takes off with her uh, with Mario giving, like going after and the players presented with 97 additional stages spanning nine worlds for a total of 101 Ooh. with the very last one, a fight against a mutated larger Donkey Kong. 
Uh, the subsequent levels follow a completely different game mechanic in which the player must guide Mario through each level to locate a key. He must pick it up and carry it to a locked door elsewhere on the stage. Every fourth level is a battle level in which the player must either try to reach Pauline, like in the original levels, or defeat Donkey Kong by using his own barrels against him. After the fourth level is cleared, a cutscene is shown depicting a player's abilities that may be needed for the upcoming levels or to introduce new kinds of traps. At this point, players are allowed to save their progress, including their time for each level or the total set. Extra lives can be earned via minigames, unlocking by collecting three special items in each level or at the end of each set based on total unused time for that set. So it's like taking the whole, like, you know, racing time to get the best score in Donkey Kong and using it to, like, play a longer game. And I remember playing this game for fucking hours on Super Game Boy and Game Boy. Uh, it uh, features various game enhancements from the original game. Mario's able to survive falling from certain distances, though he'll lose a life if he falls further. Mario will also lose a life if he hits an enemy or an obstacle. Though some instances, Mario will withstand the hit, such as while he's carrying an item. Uh, similar to Super Mario Bros. 2, he's able to pick up and throw other items at other enemies, just like the radishes and shit, and the, the other mm -hmm. <clears throat> which you'll need to use to carry the key over to the door. If the key is left alone for a certain amount of time, it'll return to original place. At any point, Mario can flip over onto his hands, which allows him to catch falling barrels and can also perform higher jumps by timing his jumps from flipping or performing a jump while changing direction. The classic mallet item can be thrown upwards and can be used again if Mario catches it, which is really cool, allowing him to bring it to different parts of the stage. There are also several blocks that allow the players to add bridges, ladders, and springs anywhere on the screen for a short amount of time. Other abilities Mario can perform include swimming, climbing ropes in similar fashion to Donkey Kong Jr., and spinning on wires to reach new heights. This is honest to God, Squeezer, the best Donkey Kong, like not that isn't um, Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country. If you want to play the best Donkey Kong game, this is it. And it was a it was a really strong game for Game Boy, especially in '94 when the system's been out for <clears throat> what mm -hmm. six years at that point. It sounds like it's a good Game Boy game, like in that keep you busy time killer kind of I, that's but yet entertained they're like how do we format. take donkey kong and make it great for game boy and they did it and they really did it well <clears throat> and and i actually bought this and i i um really enjoyed uh playing because it had this had the battery and the save feature in it mm -hmm. one of my favorite all-time game boy games uh, it was awarded Best Game Boy Game of 1994 by Electronic Game Boy Month Electronic Ooh. Gaming Monthly. Uh, 1997, EGM ranked it number 67 on their 100 Best Games of All Time. Wilding wow. it for how unexpectedly expanded on the gameplay of the original arcade game and offered a steadily challenging through many puzzle-oriented levels. Nintendo Power listed as 8th Best Game Boy, Game Boy Color Video Game, praising an only true follow-up to Donkey Kong Arcade Game. Official Nintendo Magazine ranked Donkey Kong 89th on their list of 100 greatest Nintendo games. And uh, Game Informer Ben Reeves called it the sixth best Game Boy game um, ever. Called it a criminally overlooked puzzle masterpiece. All Game gave it four and a half out of five stars, proclaiming the game is graphically sound, brilliantly challenging, and requires a special 
Requires careful planning and strategy as well as dexterity for a player to succeed. So it's right up there with Home Alone. Too. Right, exactly. The review also applauded Nintendo for not taking the easy route by simply cranking out a remake of the original Squeezer. I suggest <laughs> if you get a chance and get a hold of this cartridge, get it for your Game Boy. I'm sure it's any Nintendo game, like Nintendo cranked out game. Donkey I bet you're still looking at 35 40 bucks now. I was looking for a Pokemon not too long ago. And... 1990. Okay. Factory sealed, $1,800. <laughs> $10.80 or All best right. offer, $4 shipping. Uh, I want the factory sealed. I, I don't want. I want to make sure that no one's played it before. Well, there you go. Uh, $24.99. Just rip it apart. $24.99, buy it now. The greatest unboxing of all time. $10.50 plus four shipping. You could probably, yeah, you'd probably find this. Here's a, with the box and guide for $120. There's a place outside of Reading. I got to swing by sometime. I got to get a new Genesis. Uh, yeah, I, I bet if you look at the right show, you get this for five, ten bucks. Yeah. But don't sleep on it. If you see it, I suggest you don't sleep on it. I yeah. thought you would have told me you played this. No, no. Uh, I uh, I had a weird collection of I had I had some real shit uh, Game Boy games. I I basically I had uh, Link's Awakening and then uh, mounds and mounds of garbage to go with it. Oh man, I I. I had great Game Boy games and I played them all the time. I and I there's still some of my favorite games. Babs Big Break, Tiny Toon Adventures. I got that for yep. Easter one year. Oh, uh, and uh, Donkey. Well, I had Donkey Kong Country for it. I I have you, you have Donkey Kong and Country. I have I have Tiny Toons. You have Babs Big Break. I think so. Um, I had my second. Yeah, we, we swapped. To, that was a while ago. Oh yeah, that's right. That you have mine and I yeah. So I have um. Mario Brothers Super Mario uh, Land 2, the six golden coins, is my second mm -hmm. favorite Mario game ever behind Mario Brothers 3. Oh, yeah, I had that too. So those were my two gems. And then uh, Crash Dummies, surprisingly, was possibly one of my favorite Game Boy games of all time. It's just silly, dumb fun. Yeah, I had that. We had, uh, Chris and and, and even, even if you just played that first level, like falling off the building and bouncing and that swinging. was the best level yeah that was the best level they did a good job of putting that first yeah um that's it that's my first pick for game squeezer here's your first pick this uh oh shit um uh how great is it like you might not know if you weren't listening closely that you were just listening to the intro to the show and not the actual sick super nintendo 16-bit audio yeah so they they franchised a living uh bejesus 
pardon the language, out of, out of this uh, franchise. Is this franchise a... Licensed the bejesus out of this franchise. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a ton of Power Ranger games. Now, this was... This came at request of Mrs. Squeezer. So, uh, I've seen people play this. I never played this one, per se, the Super Nintendo one. But she did. She had this. She loved this game. Uh, so, I, I, for my lovely Mrs. Squeezer... Um, I, I I take this on, and the fact that it's the Super Nintendo one makes it all the better because out of all the 1994 Power Rangers games, the Super Nintendo version is superior to all of them. Uh, it, it's one of those things where they just made a variety that like, it wasn't ported to like the Genesis, whereas uh, the Super Nintendo one is a beat 'em up, very similar to. Um, I don't wouldn't mean to insult it, but like a, a Turtles 2 kind of side scroller beat 'em up. Whereas the the Genesis version is a very bare bones, boring, uninteresting, brings nothing to the table fighting game. So it, it doesn't even belong in the same category. Um, look, it, it's not perfection, but it's it, it seems kind of fun. The colors are great. Um, the when they individually before they morph they're like individuals but when they do morph all of a sudden like they are all they're their own different colors but all of a sudden they all have this male figure like jacked huh. uh like a like the gym guy from Garfield and Friends so it's just a, in a Power Ranger costume it's just the color swap for each like a palette swap for each Power Oh Ranger. absolutely yeah uh and then they have slightly different attacks between each, and then each one has their own, uh, like, uh, a special attack. That you know what you no one picked? On. And I completely forgot because it was on my chart list. Um, Spider-Man Maximum Carnage, Spider-Man and Venom. That was a, that was a beat-em-up for the ages. Um, Super Nintendo and Genesis both had a lot of really good beat-em-ups. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was uh, inspiration from that. I don't know. I guess every every system has like their their strengths and or like their generation. And I feel like you're, you're yeah you're beat them up. I I think that's when they were at their Super Nintendo and Genesis were at their best there. Well, it was like Double Dragon was the original, and um, yeah, and they kind of they 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 they, they polished them up. Like the mechanics are very much the same. Um, maybe made them a little more fluid. But they just made them. They made them prettier. Uh, and Power Rangers is a pretty game. It's colorful. Uh, you go through multiple stages, uh, one with each ranger, uh, and you 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 start as like the your regular teenager. Then you morph, and then uh, you continue on. And it, the whole point of the game is to get to the last two levels where you play as Megazord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because that's all you really want is to just play as Megazord, um, and there there are two final bosses um, when you're playing as Megazord. You get the uh, what's the zombie guy's name? I gotta look this up. What's the bosses? Uh, Mutitus. Uh, he was really gross looking. He was in um, the, everything's basically from season one, um, and you you fight him as Megazord, and then. What's kind of cool is after you beat him, 
you fight uh, Cyclopsis, which is the Goldar's Megazord. Which is kind of a bummer because I kind of wanted to fight Goldar. But you do, but you fight Goldar as he's controlling his evil Zord uh, on the moon. That's kind of cool. Um, there's uh, Bones is one of the bad guys, and he was one of my favorite bad guys from the show. Uh, he's like a, a skeleton with like a, uh, a uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, pilgrim hat. Yeah, he's like a skeleton with a pilgrim hat and a sword. Uh, eye guy's also in there. He's one of the weirder ones. You fight a giant eye. Uh, and it's your typical side scroller, you know, beat 'em up stuff. Like, uh, you have you fight your putties, and your gray putties are, you know, one two punches and they're done. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, just because they're stronger, oh, now the putty's green, so you gotta hit him twice as much. And then you know, oh, just, just like the foot soldiers <laughs> who the different colored foot soldiers were stronger. Yes, it's exactly. I mean, it's like someone played the game. Uh, turtles too and they're like oh we gotta do this and they did it um you could use codes to get uh you know to jump ahead in levels which if you got those then yeah you just bypass the side scroller stuff and go right to the uh one-on-one uh megazord fights and then uh i've read i didn't know this but that you can actually have a there's like a surprise second player thing or they can control the bad guy, and you can basically Mortal Kombat like Cyclopsis and Megazord. Oh, yeah. Which got me thinking. It's kind of lame as just a back and forth, you know, two D fighting game. And they've made a ton of uh, Power Rangers games since. But I would love to play. Make a three D. It doesn't have to be a full open world, but like a kaiju style me- uh, Power Rangers Megazord fighting game where you're destroying a city in the process. Tell me that wouldn't be fun. Like you're just like throwing them in the buildings and like a Godzilla King Kong kind of game. That'd Imagine that last scene in, in Kong versus Godzilla fighting game. Oh, sorry. Use use the mechanics from like Borderlands where they're like, you know, you can destroy buildings but by, you know, throwing each other into it. Or pick up a building and use it as a weapon. Like Rampage, kind of? Yeah. No. I want to play that now. I don't know, maybe it exists. I don't know. I, I'm very insular in my video games. I play one or two every couple years. and I just... Is it Rampage sort of what you're talking about? Well, no, but Rampage, the point is, like, you're destroying the city as you go around. This is, like, a, a like basically, like, Tekken, but when you, like, knock someone down, they crush a building. Oh. Yeah. All right, yeah. So if there's any video game developers or programmers listening, uh, uh, please oh, hold on, hold steal on. my we're, idea. You've already been on the show. Get at it. Get, you've already been on I need to speak. I am sick. Of hearing about sweet Mrs. Squeezer, and I've held my voice long enough. <laughs> Why does she get picks on this show? I have picks for the show, and you never ask me, Squeezer. You never once have asked me. Uh, I'm, 
I, I, I'm sorry. Give me, give me one of your picks right now. Oh, right, my Beatrice, favorite video game right now, of all time is Beggar Time. Squeezer, remember when you and I, <laughs> you and I would sneak away from school and go to that arcade on Magatha Road in the mall and play Burger Time? I was like, oh, drop the buns on the greasy hot burger, Squeezer, and win the game. Because that's how you do. You drop the buns. And I just wanted to drop my buns on you, and you just didn't know it. And I tried to tell you, but we played the game, and I tried to groom, I mean, teach you through Burger Time, but... <laughs> But that should have been your pick for this. Uh, lunch lady. This was 1994 video games. <clears throat> I think Burger Time was in the air. Will you shut the fuck up? No one's talking Whoa. to you. Oh, my. I hate using profanity, Squeezie. But, you know this. But he just won't shut up. He's an ignorant. Be- Betty, Betty, uh, Betty. It's a family show. It's a family show. You and I could have been family, Squeezer. <laughs> I always thought of you as family. Oh, my loins still ache for your pleasure. <laughs> Maybe one day. In my dreams. But until then, I'm sick of hearing about this wonderful Mrs. Squeezer and her picks for this show. It just disappoints me because I've never been asked and no one cares. I, the fans tell me. They write me, Squeezer. You don't know. They're like, I don't want to hear her. Uh, I'm just going to step in and say no one's ever written anything about not wanting to hear Mrs. Will you shut up? I've told you multiple times to stay out of what I'm speaking. Our deal is for you to shut up. Squeeze I'm sorry I said anything. I know I'm not wanted here right now. I'll just leave. I'll just go. Just make a giant pot of tomato bisque, which is just ketchup with water. Oh. It's my secret recipe, and I mix half and half in halfway through cooking. It's called the half and half and half mode. Oh, you would dip so many toasted cheese sandwiches in my half and half and half. You loved it so much. All right, well, I got to go. I've been dominating the show, and I'm just here to tell you. I'm sick of, sick of you not asking me for my choices for your picks. All right, get out of here. My God. Uh, so you know I could really go for right now a burger or a toasted cheese. Well, yeah, yeah, just the cheapest white bread with the cheapest government American cheese, with just warm ketchup water to dip mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man, both me and lunch lady are losing our voices. It's, it's, <laughs> you got to be careful. Well, it's good because, you know, we're pretty far into the show right now. So. Let's try. Here's my second pick. <laughs> and so it was, late in the 20th century, that a pox fell upon the land, a plague of home videos that were limited in intelligence. There was brain drain, and terminal boredom swept the countryside. The maker looked down and was not pleased by what he saw and said, this is not good. And so it was, he brought forth Genesis, a system with twice the power, twice the intelligence, twice the challenge, twice the fun. Only a chosen few were called forth to experience this new dimension of high-definition graphics and studio sound. And 
the maker saw what he had done and said, Now that, that's not bad. Discover Genesis, and your world will never be the same. Ah, uh, this isn't a Genesis. This is the handheld portable Genesis. Now, I fucked up. I read and I, I remember it coming out in 94, but it came out in a year later in October of 95. But I'm going to. Eh, there's no rules here. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it anyway. I think what I was thinking of, or what I read about, was this the Sega Mega Jet, was, which was a Japanese like uh, portable Genesis that you'd plug into your airplane monitor to play out in, in Japan. And it was, it was basically a nomad without a screen. I remember, like, reading about those or seeing, like, something along those lines in, like, the gaming magazines. And, like, you're just waiting for that to come to you. Yes. And it never came. I never rode airplanes. I rode once when we went to, to Disney in 92. But I was not on an airplane again until the 2000s. Yeah, I ha- yeah. And when you did, you had, if you were lucky, you had, like, a fucking Tiger game. Yes. Yes. I'm um, just catching up on the comments. Um, Ish, we called you. We read your review on uh, on YouTube and said it. Told everyone what a sweet boy you are. Brewers Arcade, what up? We definitely need to plan this Ghostbusters meetup for the movie. And Lunch Lady always brings the five stars. She's probably going to take over the show eventually. Uh, Daryl says nerds like inside baseball. Um. Do a side pod like a spin-off hour of Lunch Lady and Squeezer when you do live events. RK's dressed as our uh, closed caption says Rip Norm. Jake says best. Jake's uh, Jake, what's happening? And uh, Derek B says glad I tuned in right in time for Lunch Lady. That's a, her second appearance. Some club sandwiches. I'll I'll, I'll make you all oh, some club sandwiches. You. Oh, he's reading my mind. It was like. Well, he's a little behind, but yesterday, all I wanted was a club sandwich. It sounded so good. So, uh, Sega was, like, pissed the fuck off that they had the Game Gear, and it was the better system, color screen, blast processing. It was essentially a Mega Drive, and everyone's buying the fucking Game Boy. The Game Gear sold 11 million units. The Game Boy sold 118 million units. Jesus. And this is 1995, so let's say it's 94. And there's games like the new Donkey Kong game. They're they're still not they're still not even. They're still four years away from their biggest game ever, Pokemon Red and Blue Squeezer. <laughs> you think it's absurd? The biggest game to come out on Game Boy, a system that is fucking 11 years old, comes out 11 years after its release. That's absurd, insane, but it's completely true. The Game Boy is one of, like, a a system that... Now, I mean... Hold on. Let me look up best. So... PlayStation 2 has sold... 155 million units. Nintendo DS family, which is still going on with 3DS, which was released in 2004, which is, what's that, 16 years ago? 
Yeah. Still going strong. Has 154 million units out. So it's it's set to surpass PlayStation 2. Game Boy and Game Boy Color, 118 million units. PlayStation 4. Wow, PlayStation 4 has 116 million units out there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, well, it also... More and more, like it's kind of became an entertainment thing. Like you just had one in your house, the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and there was a time like we. I remember we justified ours like, well, it was the best, cheapest Blu-ray player on the market. Right. Um. Oh, and I got to play games. Wait, wait. So the DS is the DS. When did is, that come out? Fourteen. Oh, Two thousand four. So it's actually surpassed the runtime of the original Game Boy. So original Game Boy was eighty nine to two thousand was fourteen years. Eighty nine to two thousand four, so it's fifteen years. Wait, two thousand three, two thousand three, eighty nine. It's fourteen. Fourteen, yeah, I guess it has. Yeah, and it's sold a lot more. Uh, Wii's up there. Nintendo's. I mean, Microsoft doesn't even come into play till underneath. Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 3, Microsoft Xbox 360. I thought they were a whole lot better than they were. Uh, I, I feel it was a marketing thing. They always pushed themselves more to the hardcore gamer. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't count the 3DS as the DS. The 3DS is its own in 2011, Squeezer. But it sold 75.94 million units. Jeez. Yeah. And could still play DS games technically, and the DS could still play Game Boy games. So, portable gaming is big. I don't know why it's not like Game Boy. Like if you look at the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go eleven, twelve, thirteen. Top fifteen. There's one, two. Three, four, five, six. Well, I guess the odds are against it. But there's a lot of them. My, my, I'm an <laughs> idiot. What I could tell you is the it, video games weren't as big in the 90s as well, 94 as we th- thought they were. The SNES only sold 49.1 million units. The Genesis only sold 30.75 million units. Well, 94 was a weird year, I'd like to think. It was somewhat, like, transitional, no? Uh, yeah, we were on the cusp of, yeah, the next system. You're, like, kind of, like, right in between generation. Well, like, 64 wouldn't come out for another two years. When did PlayStation come out? PlayStation officially came out in 94, the year we're talking about. In in the U.S., though. PlayStation came out in North America. Like, when did people actually start getting it? September 95. Yeah. All right, so 94, like, you're at the tail end. Like, you don't have that competition of the next generation, but they've kind of, like, reached their peak. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird to see these systems 
Like Dreamcast only sold 9.13 million systems. Sega Saturn only sold 9.26 million. And I I can count there I've only seen one of each in the wild like played with. We had one as a demo unit at KB and we sold a lot of Dreamcast. Like I thought that was going to be crazy, but I guess it wasn't. Like um it was like Pepsi Kona. They only sold them around here. Yeah. Wii U was a failure too. Jesus Christ. 13.5. That's the only Nintendo system I did not did not own in my whole run of huh. And Wii U only sold 13.56 million units. GameCube was a beautiful system. I loved it, but it only sold 21 million units. Yeah, I I feel like it, it was severely underrated. But Xbox only sold 24 million units so xbox didn't do much better than gamecube playstation 2 murdered both of them with 155 million units playstation 3 however did not do as well playstation 3 only sold 87.4 million units nintendo switch is currently past that I think it's a lot of people bought a PS2 again for that home. They they were really selling that home entertainment thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, a lot a, of people didn't DVD see pl- the need to upgrade from a two to a three if they were just using it as a DVD player. Right, but a three was the first Blu-ray player. Yeah, but also there weren't a ton of Blu-rays out there yet. Yeah, do you believe the Switch has sold more than PlayStation Three? And the Wii sold more than PlayStation. Wii and PlayStation Three were in the same generation. Out of that generation, the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and the Wii, the Wii won. Huh. I'm, That's weird when you put it that because like I I don't know. There's it seems like there's a gap there. Yeah, but this is like a, for PlayStation 3 seems so much older than the Wii. It's only it came out the same year, dude. I know. It's just odd to think of it that way. 360 came out first in 05. It's it's different though. The money PlayStation and Microsoft and Sony made off of software sales compared to Wii is sure. ridiculous. People weren't buying the games for Wii that they were for Xbox 360 and PlayStation. Yeah, you get a couple party games and you're good to go. Yeah, You came with the game that you wanted. Hmm. What's really telling is the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One squeezer. 116.4 million versus 51 million. 51 million Xboxes? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, just go on, go in the comments section on any video game forum, and trust me, they're all the worst system in the world. Hmm. I think they all have their merits. Like I've had fun with every, almost every system on this list. I never played any Xbox systems. Squeezer, that's it. Oh, uh, I had a, I had a Xbox and a 360. The best part about my Xbox was I had it modded, so that was pretty sweet. All right. Um. Anyway. Oh, the, but the, you were talking about the, the the Nomad, which probably sold maybe 30 systems. Came out in '95. Sega was pissed that the Game Boy was blowing its Game Gear out of the water. 
they wanted to make a 16-bit color screen, touchscreen interface game, but they realized it would cost 289 It would cost a lot of money, and they'd have to sell them for like almost $300. So they took the Mega Jet, and they put a screen on it. Took And, and you need to buy the battery pack to put the six fucking AA batteries that lasted less than three hours on it or just Jesus. keep it plugged in. I mean, and, and think about it. AA batteries are still expensive now. Yeah. So... Um, so it did not sell well. And I remember that we had them at KB for 50 bucks when I worked there in like 98, 99. Yeah. Oh man. So it, the system itself was cheaper than a new game. Well, no, the games were like 10 bucks at that point. No, no, not for that system, but any yeah. Other system. Yeah. Yeah. PlayStation and 64 and Xbox were the big games when I was at KB. Um, and and then Dreamcast, but yeah, that's Nomad. It was a pretty cool concept. I wanted one so bad, uh, and by the time they were cheap enough for me to buy, I was like, meh, <laughs> don't want one anymore. Yeah. All right, handsome. Here's your second pick. Zooming. SimCity 2000 takes city planning to a new level of realism that pushes the limits of today's high-powered computers. Sensational 3D perspectives and 256 color graphics let you build cities that look so real you may want to move there yourself. Imagine working on your favorite SimCity metropolis with the new tools and graphics of SimCity 2000. SimCity 2000 takes urban planning and simulation games. I mean, you can't. It's only a minute. But somehow it feels like 20. There's still a minute 40 left on the clip. Oh, I, 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 I put the SimCity music credit. It lets you design and build the city of your dreams. So catchy. It might just be the closest you can get to running a real city, without getting elected first. SimCity 2000, the ultimate city simulator. Um. Yeah, they really marketed this to like the hardcore nerds. Like, they, they, at no point did they even try to make this sound like it was fun. It's like because it, it, <laughs> it was love. No, I, I do. If like you love to manage your PC. I like theme park on Sega. Yeah, that 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 is fun. I I pumped so many hours into this game. I can see um, that. Um, you can see that. Yep. Yeah, I just neurotic and and also not even playing <clears throat> the game itself by the rules, but just the the sandbox version of just kind of churning up land and doing whatever you want. Um. But yeah, I, I was addicted to. I I spent so much time uh, in this game, and uh, you, you felt you you thought you were so smart because you were designing this great city. My problem was, um, I was never. I was more of the artistic uh, uh, design. Where <laughs> oh well, there should be a park here, and it would look much better if roads oh, went here. Oh, I could and... just imagine the Squeezer City planning. Oh yeah, it uh, aesthetically it looked fantastic. Functionally, my cities would burn to the ground. Um, uh, I, I I did not do a good job of maintaining uh, infrastructure or management 
or uh, displacement of power because the power plants just looked so ugly there. We should put them on the other side of town. Um, but yeah, and then uh, eventually you just build it up and uh, hope that uh, uh, a flood or a tornado or an earth earthquake didn't come. Or you did, and you just went into the menu, and if you went into like the, the cheat mode menu, and then you would just call down a giant alien to destroy your futuristic city, mm -hmm. um, which was always, also always enjoyable. Uh, and then, of course, I would also use mods. Like There, there were people out there skinning um, for it, and you can go online and download skins uh, for buildings, and... It was more of an artistic thing than actual like management gameplay, and you just try to design something that looked cool. It, it was it was Minecraft before Minecraft made being a nerd cool. I guess it, did they? Nope. Okay. Well, for the yeah, yeah. So don't give me this. Oh, I Minecrafting. No. SimCity 2000s where it's at. You're forgetting the the game that I. Lit, well, Enchantress too lived through quarantine on Animal Crossing. Oh yeah, ah, that's good sim building. Yeah, oh, God, I couldn't. I I stay away from it now because I know how addicting it is. Like I I mocked uh, Mrs. Squeezer way back. This is what like know, ten years ago when we first got together, and she was obsessed with Farmville. And uh, I I. I made fun of her, and I. How can you play this? All I wanted to do was play it, but I knew I couldn't, because if I if I went in, I would. I, there was no coming out. That rabbit hole goes very, very. That blue pill. Um, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. What? New Matrix. Oh God, that trailer looks fucking awful. Oh come on! It's basically, it's a fan. It's a Matrix One fan film. Explain to me uh, the first. No, 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 no! Don't try to pick out plot holes in the movie that doesn't have to. Look, the second and third film made clear that it doesn't have to make sense. Okay, well there you go. If it doesn't make sense, I'm not interested. Oh no, no! It's not about that. It's about flippy, spinny things and running up walls. There should never have been a second and third. It worked perfectly as a standalone first film. It the first movie was great. It was amazing. Yeah, it told a story and it ended, it it ended open ended, but with a book. Like it, it told you like this is where things are gonna go. Rage Against the Machine, Fly, we're done, and then they just got weird, and now it's gonna get more weird. Um, I'll I'll go see it, but. I'll, yeah, I'll let you tell me how it was. I will. Five years. Um, but it. yeah, it's you know produced Matt. When you see Maxis pop up, it's like oh, it's every nerd's dream. Uh, and you can still get. I think it's like you can find free versions easily all over the place. Uh, I got a Max. So it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's not as free, but like for six bucks, you can download it legit from GOG. Yeah, I might, and then never play it. Uh, all right. Um, is that it? 
for SimCity? Uh, it, it's it's tomorrow already, so we should start moving on. Right. I uh, spent four hundred, almost five hundred dollars on an arcade cabinet of this next bit. This is a game. I squeeze. I bought the the arcade one up. Our good we know, we talked to them at uh, Toy Fair before the end of the world, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, they made they put out a uh, Midway Classics cabinet, which was an arcade uh, with the Mortal Kombat two skin, but it had Mortal Kombat one, two, and three, and it has like tap root beer tapper, paper boy, Joust, Rampage, it has a whole bunch of other Midway games on it. So I know. E-Rock, our friend E-Rock in Connecticut bought bought one, and I was like, you know what? I, I need to get one, too. That's pretty fucking cool. So I had a Mortal Kombat 2 for Super Nintendo, and after the debacle they had with one not allowing blood to be sweat, they finally allowed all the blood and violence that Sega had on their Mortal Kombat 2, and it was rad. We had not just fatalities, but... Um, we had friendship, I believe, in this one. I don't even fucking know what we got in Mortal Kombat 2 that was different from Mortal Kombat 1. I There's probably... a lot of lore that goes with a lot of that stuff. You know, like, they just... Uh... So I, I guess the first movie, Shang Tsung invited everyone to a tournament that had to be held and so-and-so and what do you fuck it. And the second one, it was like, you failed, so Shao Kahn's going to steal these people and make them come here and fight his... his uh, Minotaur instead of Goro because Goro was killed obviously in the first one. Uh, you got one of the best characters ever and Squeezer's favorite character, um, Kung Lao, who spoilers dies in the movie. Uh, you knew it was coming too. Yeah. Um. You have Baraka, who is, um, I guess, like part of like the big race of everybody there like with the teeth and everything because i think to carton yet isn't katana and melina also whatever that is you know this more that, well yes better than i do so yeah so uh melina is a clone of uh katana but they infused her with uh to carton blood and that's why she has the teeth uh, okay. Um, Jax, who is uh, in the tournament to rescue Sonya Blade from the Outworld, you see her like strung up in the background um, with what's that guy with the one eye? He's also strung up in the background. Oh, Kano? Kano is also strung up, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Johnny Cage is back. Luke Kang's back. Raiden's back. Reptile's back. Even though Reptile is um, the hitting character in the first game, he's Shang Tsung's bodyguard. You can play him now. Scorpion's back. Shang Tsung is playable. Sub Zero is back. 
Kintaro is the new uh, horseman, and Shao Kahn is the new big bad. Um, there's hidden opponents. There's Jade, who is a color swap, the palette swap, just like the uh, reptile, who's green. There's Noob Cybot, which is Tobias and Boone, the two creators of the game, spelled backwards, who is a black... Of a girl. Uh, yeah. He's a black uh, silhouetted palette swap of uh, Scorpion and, and Sub-Zero. Uh, Lost Warrior from the first Mortal Kombat game. There's Smoke, who is um, all gray, and we all thought was not true, was it was in the game, and but he comes back as our, a robot in the third game, right? Mm. Isn't Smoke a robot? Like... Um, yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sonya and Kano are the only playable characters from the first Mortal Kombat who are not there. They're uh, background characters who are displayed as prisoners on a chain. Um, the SNES version was developed by Sculptured Software. Uh, and because no one bought the censored SNES original game, Nintendo decided to allow blood and fatalities this time around and there's also an industry-wide rating system uh that was coming to effect in november of 94 at the earliest this version had no formal rating instead of warning labels put in the game's uh, box in order to inform prospective buyers of the game's mature content uh japanese version is censored with green blood for all fighters and the screen went black and white tarantino style for uh, specific horrible fatalities. Uh, just like they fucked up that Punisher game. Mm -hmm. uh, John Tobias said this version was way better than the Genesis saying he would go as far as to say as the Super NES version is the one of the best arcade to home conversions he's ever seen. That I like when I play the arcade now, like to me, it's just like playing the SNES version was great. And I remember my friend Matt was like, fuck SNES, Mortal Kombat so much better on Genesis because of the first one. And then Mortal Kombat 2 came out and it was like, uh-uh. Now who's the fucking boss? I was the boss. Um, It was a huge success, Squeezer. Uh, the arcade came out in 93, but the home console came out and uh, all four systems, Genesis, Game Gear, SNES, and Game Boy on Mortal Friday, September 9th, 1994. Nice. An unprecedented number of more than 2.5 million copies were shipped to be distributed with the best opening weekend sales in video game history at that point. Acclaim analysts expected that a number of copies sold would reach at least 2.5 million within the first few weeks of release. Uh, at an average sale price of $60, sales topped $150 million by the end of the year. Damn. Mm -hmm. uh, in the first week of console release, the game made sales to $50 million, which Acclaim Entertainment said was the largest introduction of a video game in history. Distribution over 2.5 million copies around 15,000 stores required 65 trucks and 11 jumbo jets. First week sales of over 50 million surpassed the initial box office results of that season's Hollywood blockbuster film, Forrest Gump, True Lies, The Mask, and Lion King. 
Approximately 2.5 million units were shipped to stores within a month. Mortal Kombat 2 became the world's best-selling video game until it was eclipsed by Donkey Kong Country in November. Jesus Christ. Well, it also got a ton of free marketing from everyone on TV waving the, the think about the children flag. That's true. Just free commercials. But think about that. A game released for four systems was beat by a game released by on one system. <clears throat> Damn. The, Genes- the Genesis sold 1.78 million copies in the United States alone. Uh, 1.51 million copies were in the SNES and so-and-so across the world. By 2002, estimated gross sales of Mortal Kombat 2 exceeded 400 million. Re-released in 2007, the PSN version had continued to occupy the service's top 10 monthly sales charts uh, late, three years later in February of 2010. It's a popular game. I just spent $500 on it. <laughs> nice. For my uh, arcade. Here's, Squeezer. All right. Here's Squeezer's next pick. The space capability. Impressive. The first TIE Advanced are now seeing combat. We also have prototypes of the next generation of TIE Fighters. Interesting. The Emperor will want a prototype immediately. Uh, So... Star Wars TIE Fighter. Okay. Might be one of the best sequels to a video game ever. Might be amongst the best space flight simulators of all time. Just dogfighting games of all time. And for 1994, it still holds up as a very just tight, fun, and for the time, really, really good looking game. Uh... Yeah, there have been a, so many. I mean, God, is there a franchise out there that has more games tied to it than Star Wars? Um, no. Yeah. Um, Maybe Ninja Turtles. And I, th- this one, eh, it's up there. But TIE Fighter really stands out as one of the best. Uh, and it's so deep. It's just not a shallow. And I don't mean to insult like... Uh, some of the other Star Wars games. It's not just a rail shooter. It's a full-blown space flight simulator. And the best part is you're the bad guys. Um, And I found it much more fun being the bad guys and playing different, sometimes even made-up TIE fighters than being the rebels. And it's always the same thing of, you know, fighting the Empire. It's fun being the bad guys in this case. Um... And there's a little, like, subplot and stuff involving some subterfuge. Uh, and uh, that's a big word for me. Uh, but this comes right after um, all the Thrawn books came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and I know everyone is like, oh, my God, we need Thrawn in, um, in uh, The Mandalorian. There's mention of him. Uh, and he played a big role in Rebels. And... A lot of some of the plot from Rebels involving like Thai defenders 
stems from a game that came out like almost 25 years earlier. Because you can't just... Look, the game wouldn't be that much fun if you were just a TIE fighter pilot the entire time. Um, because it's you're just two little blasters, and basically you're the cannon fodder of the Empire. But then you can upgrade, and you get promoted, and you can fly a, a, a TIE interceptor, which is pretty cool. And in the movie, that's like the most advanced you know, TIE fighter. They're the ones that have like the little scooped wings that are like split that you see in Return of the Jedi. Yes. Uh, you get TIE Bombers, but then you get to fly, like, a TIE Advance, like what Darth Vader had. Uh, you get to fly a TIE Avenger, which is, like, a TIE Advanced meets a TIE Interceptor. And then you get the TIE Defender, which is just this absurd... It's a ball with... Imagine a TIE Interceptor, but its wings turned out, and there's three of them. It's pretty cool looking. Hmm. Uh... The interface is cool. What, what what makes this game so much fun is, and th this is where I'm going to lose you, is the micromanagement of resources. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's a legit spaceflight simulator. So it's like you can like when when you watch like Star Trek, they're like route power to the shields, and it like you can actually do that. So like you could take some of your power and like route it to your shields, route it to your cannons, route it to your engines. You can take your shields and put it to your engines, and it's an you can you use it as strategy based on your mission. So it's actually a really deep game, and not just a a simple fly around and blast shit out of the sky. Um, it's cool. The HUD is improved. There's a lot going on. Every everything that X-wing did right, Tie Fighter did. 10 times better um some people complain that the missions are kind of like mundane and stuff but you're it's a space flight simulator there's gonna be some downtime because you're flying through infinity so it's not you're not going through beggars canyon every day of the week uh the cutscenes are really cool especially for the time um and the story was it was the story was cool i mean it you got to hang out with like the bad guys that you never see. You know, it's like yeah, we you get Luke and Han and Leia all the time, but now you you get to hang out with like Vader and Thrawn and the other admirals and just the way it's presented to you, it's presented to you as they're the good guys. And you could almost argue like the rebels are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. They're the rebels. They're trying to undermine your developing of an empire. You know? When people were living in the Roman Empire, they weren't complaining like, oh, this awful empire. Like, no, they had food and water and things were going pretty damn good as long as you were on the inside. You know, same thing. As long as you weren't on Alderaan, uh, <laughs> you were fine. I don't I don't get what the Ewoks were complaining about. They had like one small little base on Endor. They did nothing to oppress the Ewoks. If they were smart, if they would have just given those little furry guys a couple Cheez-Its as soon as, like, you know, Luke lay in hot, as soon as they're in that net, they would just spear them right then and there. Just If you would have just fed those furry little guys, uh, they would have been fine. The Empire is the victim in this. That sounds... Sorry, there's a bit of a tangent. Yeah, you really went, you, know, you got political with us. Oh, sorry. I, don't, I mean, I keep a, you know, down the 
down the middle of the road here. Um, but no, if if you can find a, a copy of a Tie Fighter, it, it really does. What did I say? It holds up. It holds up. Yeah, uh, Tie Fighter holds up. It's a lot. This game was so much fun, and you you mix in. It was great flight controls. It was really smooth. Um, and it, being able to micromanage keyboard controls is always great. You make your own little overlays uh, for your keyboard mm. and then basically build your own little cockpit too. And, uh, sometimes a helmet. Because um, that's what all the cool kids were doing, right? Yes. That's exactly what they should be doing. Yeah. It's role-playing taken to the next level. Yeah, yeah. there is no... <laughs> you walk into health class the next day in school, and they're like, you got to be careful about teen pregnancy. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I don't need to be in this conversation. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. My next, my penultimate pick here. Before Nintendo came out with Super Metroid, we wanted to make sure it was the most intense Metroid battle ever. So we thought we'd see how Killer here would fare against it. Ready, boy? That's 24 megs worth of weapons, worlds, and weirdos old Killer's up against. Nintendo's biggest game ever. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Well, let's see how he did. Ship it! Super Metroid, only on the Super NES. So often do we talk about Nintendo games made by Nintendo that are, like, some of the best video games of all time. But Yeah, they're the, they're the best at in-house. My God, is this game so good. So good that the reason why there's no Metroid game for Nintendo 64 is because they're like, we, we, could, we couldn't think of one that could be better. We can't top Super Metroid. It was so good. Uh, this game, I rented it first, and I was a fan of the original Metroid Squeezer for uh, Nintendo. Mm -hmm. um, this game was, they call it like Metroidvania, like the unlimited side-scrolling genre, which is just like worlds of worlds of just like side-scrolling. Mm -hmm. And a new one's coming out technically for the switch on october 8th called metroid dread it's a 2d new metroid game even though a lot of people are waiting for like a new 3d first person shooter metroid like prime. prime i remember getting prime on release day for my gamecube which i still have squeezer yeah i fucking love that game I am a huge Metroid fan. This is talk like, about something that holds up. That that if that came out right now, you would say, "Wow, that's it looks state of the art yet and plays like it." Just like like the gameplay going from first person to third person. I know nowadays it's nothing, but back then it was like as soon as you went into your your ball form, you switched to third person, the and it was Metroid is in captivity. It was easy to ex explore like the level that way and like areas you couldn't reach. And um, Samus Aran, like the world's first heroine in, in video games. Uh, the soundtrack is so dark and spooky for this game. I remember Matt and I playing this at like, at like, not like it was like almost like playing a horror game. Um, same with Metroid Prime for that matter, but I wasn't playing that with, I didn't have friends 
at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to share time with that game. You wanted to immerse yourself. Um, it was one. Yeah, well, uh, Metroids weren't multiplayer games for a reason, because it was that. But like, like you know, when you're kids, like you just someone would play and wa like watching video games was was fun. Yeah. Um, I had one of my first Game Boy games, another great Game Boy, another fucking great Game Boy game, Metroid 2: The Race Return to Samus, came out in 1991. Uh, my friend Will got this, my best friend, and we played. And I was like, "This is just Metroid for Game Boy," and fuck no, it is not. It was a whole new game, and um, you know, some people hated it, but I, I fucking, I loved it. Uh, some people call it the weakest game, but for me, it was like having a Metroid anywhere I could go. Um, and, and I, I, I liked it a lot, but then Metroid two, uh, I'm sorry, super Metroid came out and goddamn, there's not a more universally, universally, uni universally loved Metroid game. It's super Metroid. It is, it is so much fun. Have you played super Metroid squeezer? I mean, maybe way back. Here's another I one. Even, I couldn't even tell you just because I, I didn't have a Super Nintendo. Here's so. another one I would suggest playing through. It is so much fun. And you could just go forever just like exploring and searching. It's like the sandbox and 2D scrolling. Like the Castlevania in this game invented that. Um... so good uh so after super metroid's release there wouldn't be another sequel for eight years um uh, none of the games in the metroid series to this point had enjoyed the level of success that mario or, or legend of zelda had so it wasn't like it was kind of their like c franchise you know what i mean nintendo yeah so uh, uh gunpei yokei uh, who was the creator of the Game Boy um, left Nintendo in 1996 uh, because of the failure of Virtual Boy and died uh, in a car accident in 97 but he was the producer of this game and um, everyone was re everyone I even myself was was waiting for an N64 Metroid and to, according to Shigeru Miyamoto they didn't develop a Metroid game for N64s. They couldn't come out with any concrete ideas. Sakamoto said that they could could not imagine how the N64 controller could be used to control Samus. Nintendo approached another company to make an N64 Metroid, but the offer was declined because the developers thought they could not make a game that could equal Super Metroid standards. After eight years, two games came out. Uh, a Game Boy Advance 2D scroller, Metroid Fusion, which was fun. Um, and and I, I, I played the shit out of that on my uh, SP. And then Metroid Prime, baby. Go to the GameCube by Retro Studios. Uh, first Metroid game to be in 3D. And uh, do you hear the soundtrack, Squeezer? Oh, it's epic. Yeah. Um, they both, both those games were fucking awesome. And, uh, Prime got uh, several Game of the Year awards. Um, a lot of spinoffs, and I'm really excited for Metroid Dread in October to come out for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and that's my pick. Squeezer, here's your next one. 
What the fuck? You don't, you don't remember hearing this blasting from the corner of the arcade? No. <clears throat> Daytona, it's, USA. It's easy to drown out arcade sounds unless you're playing the game. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this game. And I played it not too long ago. It's maybe last... Uh, well, yeah, it might have been... Two, that might have been two years ago, but uh, we were at the uh, mall down in uh, down in Pottstown, and they have an arcade in there, and it it's like. Is this the real, one I was asking like, you about today? What's that? Is this the mall I was asking you about today? Oh, you know what? Yeah, and I completely forgot what the hell you were even talking. I'm like, there's no mall down there. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Now there is. Yeah, and there's an arcade in there. Um. Yeah, there. Um. Uh, I was there with uh, the Coventry with the Mall family. Yeah, Coventry Mall. Yeah, yeah, that's what the fuck I was trying to ask you about today. Oh yeah, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say Coventry Mall? There's no <laughs> Pottstown Mall. Coventry. Mall. I said, what's the mall in Pottstown? And you're well, just... it's not technically in Pottstown. It's outside Pottstown. The address is Pottstown. Well, the address is, but yeah. But I'm there. I'm there at the little one, and uh, there is. Uh, like it, it's not even a true arcade. Well, it's an arcade, I guess, but it, it's a no. It's a storefront that wasn't being used, and inside they had like one of those little old timey carousels. You put the quarter in that you and I have been on when we were, you know, two or three, and it's the exact same one. Right. Um, and so she wanted to go on that, so I'm like, all right, I put her on that. And she thought it was the the coolest thing in the world, and then, uh, over next to it. Off the side, there's a Daytona USA, and I'm like, "Here, you got to play this." I pick her up, I plop her in the seat, and she can't reach like the pedal, so I, I throw some quarters in, and I just put my foot on the gas and let her steer. Um, and it was it was uh, adorable. We lasted like you know, those quarters were shot instantly, but uh, it it I loved it. It was just I wanted her to sit there and play it for a second. Um, not that she even cared. It was more for me. Uh, but it was, it was such a fun game. I pumped so many quarters in this, in the arcade. Um, because they designed this game to be fun. Like, it, it started off with Sega wanted to make a, a racing game. And, I mean, they were developing a couple alongside. And they were, the big thing was they were competing with Namco with Ridge Racer. And basically the orders were make a better game. And they, they they found that fine line between simulation and fun. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna put Tie Fighter in an arcade uh, and have people pump quarters into it. All right. Cruising you know, USA a, came out this year too, and that's my favorite driving game. No, that's it's a, a fun game. They 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 did a. I don't know what made Daytona different for me. Uh, why? Because your dad I was a huge NASCAR more. fan. Um, it was cool with the you know the stock car thing. Now they didn't no, don't say NASCAR because it wasn't a NASCAR game. Um, because so they worked out a deal with 
the thing with like Daytona is, and I, I'm not sure how it still works to this day, but like Daytona was its standalone entity, but it's like a member of NASCAR. Like it's a NASCAR sanctioned track. So like you can get the rights to Daytona and I don't know if you can necessarily get the rights to the Daytona 500 because it's a NASCAR event, but Daytona track is a different thing. Ah. So they made the deal with Daytona to get the licensing for Daytona to go to the track, take pictures, recreate it to an extent. Um, and But at the same time, they didn't go so far as to make a licensing deal with NASCAR because really they're like, do we want to go that far and have to worry about like likenesses and sponsors and all that? It's like, no, we'll just get some stock cars, make them generic and throw Daytona's name on it. Cause even at the time, like Daytona is just as big, if not bigger than NASCAR. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, are you a NASCAR fan? No, but I like the Daytona 500, you know, that, that kind of shit. Like it just, you got to know where, uh, your that that hardcore fan base ends, and if it's necessary to bring them all in, I'm assuming that's the hillbilly compromise. To uh, I don't like football, but I watch the Super Bowl. Yes, that uh, perfect, very good, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, you, know, you had like the three difficulties of track, and they weren't gonna like they they had to decide like, do we just make all these race car tracks? And it's like, what's the difference? to your average game player it's like oh well this is a super speedway versus this is a trioval and this is a short track and it's like either way you're all going around in a circle so they did that once and then they added in like the road course uh kind of thing but they designed the gameplay to be fun the best part about it was and this is what i really missed out on as a kid was i didn't know how to drive a stick shift at like 10 years old right um, so I would either, if I, I wanted to pick manual cause it, it sounded like it was more fun, but I would just burn out right then. And I had no idea what I was doing or you put it in automatic and then you just slam the shift shifter back and forth like an idiot because it looked cool and sounded cool, which was just as much fun. Now I, I want to kind of go back and spend more time. It would be cool to play it knowing how to properly drive it. Um, but there are people out there that know this game inside out and like the intricacies to shifting in it and like drifting. And you have like a, a virtual world of Fast and the Furious that know how to drive this game perfectly. It's like, like an art. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I mean... but it's a lot of fun. Daytona. Yeah, apparently uh, Cruising USA was developed by Nintendo and Midway to compete with Daytona USA and Ridge Racer. Yeah, there's a lot of good, and you you can still, and you'll still find these games out there. Like there's still in active arcades. But there's still Donkey Kongs out there, Squeezer. So I would hope. Oh sure. Arkanoids. Right. I get excited when I see an Arkanoid. Here is my last pick. Sega presents one champion of good, one pawn of evil. It's Sonic and Knuckles. Not only is it the greatest Sonic game ever, it also comes with lock-on technology. 
Plug in Sonic 2 and use Knuckles to play in a whole new way. Plug in Sonic 3 for 34 megs of power, new worlds, and surprise endings. Sonic and Knuckles with lock-on technology, only on Sega Genesis. Sonic and Knuckles, other game cartridges, and Sega Genesis each sold separately. 34 megs of power. I'm going to be honest with you, Squeezer. <laughs> my, when my friend Matt got this game, we did not give a fuck about the game. All we cared about was plugging in the old Sonic games and see what changed. Mm-hmm. So this was a game that looked like a game genie. It had a it had an all new character, Knuckles, and I I couldn't even tell you what the gameplay was, but there was a gimmick. If you would plug the old Sonic games in, you could play as Knuckles, and in Sonic Three, it added extra levels and thirty four megs of something else to it. <laughs> And that was the only gimmick. This was me and us in the ba- Matt's basement renting Sonic 3 or renting this game. I forget which one it was. We either had one or the other. And just to see what the gimmick was. It was a gimmick. It was. I don't, I don't even know if it was yeah. a great game. I mean, you might know more than me. It was fun. I We rented it all the time. It was one of our like rent regularly's. Apparently, rather than just buy it, Knuckles is going to be in the next movie, which I love the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh, So the Sega Technical Institute developed it simultaneously alongside Sonic 3. Uh, They were planned as a single game until time constraints and cartridge costs forced developers to split it. The Sonic and Knuckles cartridge featured an adapter that allowed players to connect Sonic 3 cartridge, creating a combined game, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 can be attached, allowing players to play as Knuckles in Sonic 2 stages. I don't think Sonic 1 did jack shit in it. But no one played Sonic 2 was the best in the Sonic games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it came out on October 18th in 1994, sold 1.24 million copies, received positive reviews. Critics were impressed with the replay value and lock-on technology, despite its similarity to Sonic 3. Alongside Sonic 3, a Windows port was released through the Sonic and Knuckles collection in 1997. It's been re-released through various complements and digital platforms. And its legacy, I believe, Squeezer, is going to see Knuckles in... He's a chinchilla, right? Uh, Yes, chinchilla. And he is supposedly going to be in... I don't know if Miles Tails Prower is going to be in the next movie, but how do you put Knuckles in before you put Tails in? I don't know. I'm ex- did you, you saw the first movie, right? Uh, no. Oh, it's really good. Your kids will yeah, like. I don't. Get, I don't get out. It's like a. Well, I, we watched it at home, Squeezer. Oh, okay. You could do the same. On a TV? On a television set. Whoa. Knuckles. No, he's uh, Ekin. Uh, he's not a chinchilla. Yeah, oh, it's a chinchilla. What's that? Echinda. E C H I D N A. Echida. Oh, an Echida. Short beat. Short beaked. It looks like a hedgehog when you look at. Yeah, it's a hedgehog. When you look at the actual animal. 
and they live in Australia, mate. It's a, he's an he's like a hedgehog, but he's an echinacea knuckles. Echinacea, yeah. Um, let's see. So, while Knuckles doesn't appear in Sonic series' first theatrical film, Sonic the Hedgehog, his existence is alluded to within the film's opening sequence in which a young Sonic and his caretaker, Longclaw, are attacked by the native clan of Echidnas. Echidnas. Writer, Co-writer Pat Casey has since stated that they are Echidnas within Sonic's world. It, how do you fucking say it, homie? <laughs> I'm going to get the robot to say it. Copy. Oh, hold on. Speech. Echidnas. Echidnas. I was saying it right. Yeah. Echidnas. Knuckles will appear along Sonic and Tails in the second film. Voiced by oh, Idris okay. Elba. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, that's all I had to say. We're really long in this show, Squeezer. So here's your last pick. If you had jalapenos and beans for every meal, you'd have an atomic butt blast too. Boogerman for Sega Genesis. A superhero who doesn't need hand-to-hand -hand combat because the best weapons of all come from within. Jesus Christ. 90s. Got a lot of All right. Tell us about it. Oh, sorry. Uh, Boogerman. So it's uh, basically it, the people over at Interplay saw how Genesis was marketing themselves. You're like, you know what? No, they saw Bastion Booger. Ah, oh, oh, look at him. He's Bastion Booger. Ah, oh, he's a big, fat, stinky fuck. Well, yeah, it's pretty much uh, it's Booger Man. I mean, he's fairly jacked. He's got a giant chin. Uh, I guess and... he's a little on the hefty side. So they, they just kind of stepped it up, like with the gross-out humor. I mean, as much as you could. I mean, it, this is epitomizes the the gross-out... Uh... Pick-and-flick adventure. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a pick-and-flick adventure. Uh, the commercials were great. Uh, just a big fat guy in a restaurant just eating jalapenos and farting and just being slovenly. Uh, but it's not as dumb as a game uh, a as you think. Like, yeah, he farts on enemies and he has, you know, his, his boogers and he's gross. And, you know, there's slime and, again, boogers everywhere and it's a bunch of fart jokes. But the gameplay's fun. So it kind of it, it its detractors want to target the 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 uh what's, what am I looking for uh childish uh what's the other uh, immature what's what's the fancy word you uh yeah well the, the those things exactly um 
What? Sophomoric humor. I don't know. Smart people say nasty things about like fart jokes when they're absolutely hilarious. Um, but the gameplay's half decent. It's your basic platformer, but it's a lot of fun. It's very colorful. It's silly. Um, above all else, it's a very entertaining game. Uh, my mom would not let me. We we ne I never owned it, but it was one of those things where I could rent it. Because she would never, like, it's one of those things you go to a, a store and you're going to buy a video game and you look at it, it's like, oh. Oh, th this, is, this is rated mature. We can't buy this. You can't even though uh, this was uh, thir uh, MA-13. But, you know, it's like, oh, this isn't the kind of game I'm going to let you play. But if you want the Blockbuster, mm -hmm. you can rent whatever the hell you wanted because they weren't looking at it. Did you have more of a, a leash with your dad or your mom? Oh, my my dad would have had to have taken me to the video game store or Blockbuster. Did he give for that to happen? F what you rented, or was it just? I don't think he even knew if I even ha owned a Nintendo or not. <laughs> okay. Um, the only no, the only time I knew is when I borrowed the neighbor's Bill Elliott NASCAR Challenge for mm -hmm. NES. And I played that, and he came in and watched me play it. No, there was there was no, no video gaming there. It, it was, I I my systems were down, and it wasn't until I got my PlayStation where I set set it up upstairs in the living room. Um. Uh, every everything else was always down in my room or in the basement in the, like the the playroom rec room down there and all our uh radon riddled goodness uh so yeah they had no idea what i was really playing uh i could have been playing night trap all day long and they wouldn't have known <laughs> i was gonna talk about one of those games but i never played them so i was like i really have nothing to say about them other than i just have watched videos about them yeah i mean that, that's my later my only exposure there is yeah watching videos of it later or seeing like Ad like they always had ads for it in the video game magazines, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I would rent the rent the bejesus out of Booger Man. Uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun, a lot of lot of levels, a lot of variety, um, and some like cool puzzles and stuff. Uh, it wasn't just a it wasn't just a dumb boogery game. I think it deserves uh, a lot more credit. I always kind of put it in there. Like he's tied, of course, to Earthworm Jim. Uh, he was, they were Nemesis and uh, the Clay Fighter series, and it's all interplay products. But I, I always kind of put him in the same category as like, uh, like Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy's invention. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. in that that gross kind of category, but very creative gameplay uh, and colorful. Clear, clearly, it was, it was originally developed for Genesis. And imported to Super Nintendo, but uh, the uh, and then of course it was superior on Super Nintendo just because the colors and the sound pop much better. But uh, like if you had to like pick like a, a game that like like if you told the Genesis execs early on, hey, this is what's going to be on our system, like yeah, this is what we're talking about, right. Yeah. Squeezer drinking. All right. Um, that's it. We're all done, Squeezer.
Wait, really? Yeah. You don't have one more? Nope. That was your last pick. Oh. Oh, sorry. I, f- I felt like I ru- we rushed it at the end there. We did not. We got out of it so we could let everyone move on with their live squeezer. Oh, good. We will be back next week, but we will not be live as hopefully Enchantress and I are in Europe. She's running the Berlin Marathon. Um, so we're recording this weekend, and it will be up next what, Thursday morning. Uh, and it is Junk Food from 1994. Ooh. And then fun. we just have toys from 1994 until we move on to our Halloween show, Squeezer, right? Yes. Uh, but make sure to uh, follow us or, or subscribe to us on YouTube, I believe. Hit that bell so you know when we're going live. Comment on our freaking post. Help us get in the algorithm. Email us uh, uh, sweet nothings, rk at radyears.com, mm-hmm. squeezer at radyears.com. And that's for you, lunch lady. I know you're going to do it. Uh, or or, or re- oh, leave God. a review for really us. Tricky. You knew exactly what you did there, didn't you? On Apple Podcast, yes. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, even though we're recording this weekend, it will be posted next week. It will not be live on YouTube next week. In two weeks, we'll be back live on YouTube. Uh, same rad time, same rad channel. I'm RK. Squeezer. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.